Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umwaren, and in every episode, I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Storytime Clinic. I don't know how you guys feel. I feel like time is just flying by. It feels like just last week, I was wishing everybody around me Happy New Year. Actually, it was just last week, because for me, if it's January, the year is still new. But here we are in the month of February, the second month of 2022. Now, I'm just going to lay my biases right out there. February is, scientifically speaking, the best month of the year. I present my evidence to you. Number one, it is unique. It's the only month out there that has 28 days. It's special, one of a kind. And secondly, every four years, we get a bonus day just so that we can continue to enjoy how wonderful this month is. How many other months can say that? None did not think so. (laughs) Thirdly, there's an entire day in this month dedicated to celebrating the wonderful feeling of love. It's a great feeling and it's a great month to celebrate that feeling. (laughs) And last but not least, as you guys have probably deduced by my overwhelming enthusiasm, February is the birthday month of a certain Dr. Warren. And sorry, not sorry, I have a podcast, so I'm going to announce it to everyone. (laughs) Well, birthdays aside... There's actually more important reasons why February is a significant month. And in the United States, February is Black History Month. And it's a time just kind of set apart to look back on, to reflect and remember the history and the achievements of African-Americans in this country. And it's really hard to celebrate this without remembering the unfortunate atrocities that were committed against a group of people because of the color of their skin and because of the significance that other people placed on the color of their skin. In this episode, we are actually going to take a deep dive down to the cellular level, and we're going to look at skin color. We're going to look at a pigment called melanin, the pigment behind all of this. We're going to look at how it's made, uh, what happens when it's not made properly. We're going to talk about the condition known as albinism. And we are finally going to highlight a couple of children's books that have main characters with albinism so that we can learn about this condition a little bit more. Okay, you ready? Let's get started. Okay, so let's talk about melanin. As I mentioned, melanin is a pigment. It's a color, a natural color that's produced by these specialized cells in our bodies called melanocytes. 
And the name is actually just very self-explanatory. This means cells that produce melanin. Melanocytes are found in the bottom layer of our skin, and they actually produce two different types of melanin. One kind is called eumelanin, E-U-melanin, and that's kind of a darker pigment, so black and brown. The other kind is called pheomelanin, and this is a lighter pigment. It's responsible for pinkish reds and yellows. So I kind of think about this somewhat like a painter would mix together different colors. And our genes, there are several different genes that are responsible for how melanin is produced. And these genes kind of work together to determine what ratio of eumelanin and what ratio of pheomelanin to use. And so by mixing and matching these two different pigments together, that's how we come about with so many different shades of skin colors and skin tones. Now, melanocytes are not just found in their skin. They are also found in hair follicles. And so they splash a little bit of the melanin pigment into our hair, and that's how we get our hair color. And then Melanocytes are also found in a couple of different parts of the eye. And so this is how we get our eye color as well. So the colored part of the eye is called the iris. And that color is determined by how densely packed together those melanocytes are, and then the ratio of the different melanins that they produce. Interestingly, melanocytes are also found in the back of the eye in the area called the retina. And there they actually play an important role in how our vision works. So there you have it. That's really all there is to this thing. A little bit of eumelanin here, a little bit of pheomelanin there. Mix it all up according to the genetic instructions. And we have our skin color, hair color, and eye color. But what happens when this process doesn't go quite as planned? Remember when I said that there are certain genes, certain parts of our DNA that are responsible for how melanin is made? Well, some people have mutations in these genes, and that is going to affect the way they make melanin or whether they make melanin at all. This condition is called albinism, albinism. So albinism is a condition in which there's a problem with the genes that make melanin. And so these people may end up with no melanin or none of a particular kind of melanin or significantly reduced amounts of melanin in their bodies. And this can affect all the areas that melanin-making cells are found. So this can affect the skin, it can affect their hair, and it can affect their eyes. So what does this look like? People who have albinism will have much lighter skin, much fairer skin than is expected for their race or for their family. Um, they can have lighter hair as well. Um, some people have completely white hair. Others may have more reddish or yellow hair, just depending on the type of melanin that's affected. And this can also affect the color of the eye. So some people will have very pale pink eyes, while other people might have blue eyes or very light brown eyes. 
Albinism is something that can affect all different people. So whether you're African, African American, or Japanese, or Caucasian, European, um, every ethnic group has people who are affected with albinism. Now, when it comes to the overall health of people with albinism, there's two very important considerations. One is that having fairer skin puts them at increased risk of damage from the sun. So that deeper pigment, eumelanin, the one that causes brown and black pigments, is really important for protecting our skin from ultraviolet rays from the sun. So people who don't have this pigment or who have less of this pigment are more likely to have sunburns and more likely to over long term have a risk of skin cancers like melanoma. Ultraviolet rays from the sun are also dangerous to the eyes. And so when we don't have enough of the pigment in our eyes that normally filters out some of this light, this can cause sensitivity to bright lights, but also can cause some damage to the back of the eyes as well. The other really important thing is that we mentioned how some melanocytes are found in the back of the eye, and these help with normal vision and help with the development of vision as well. So when there's a problem with this pigment in the back of the eye, this can lead to some problems with seeing. So that's a little bit about albinism. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into the first of our two books that we're going to discuss today. All right. So the first book that I want to bring to you guys is called Golden Like Me by Brandy M. Green. And this is a picture book. It's a children's book, picture book. So it's pretty short and it's for a bit of a younger audience. But I love the sentiment and the feeling of this book. So I want you just, just to think back and uh, imagine, have you ever had that experience of either traveling or living in a different country and running into somebody from your hometown, you know, just that feeling of excitement, like instant bond that you have. <laughs> or finding out that a friend shares your birthday month. And I'm just going to shout out here, uh, Dr. Katina Curran, happy February birthday. <laughs> She's the author whose book I featured in episode 18, if you want to go back and give a listen to that episode um, as a birthday treat to her. <laughs> but you know, there's that bond, you know, that sense of joy that you have when you found somebody that you have something in common with. And that's the sentiment, that's the feeling that's captured in this story, Golden Like Me. So our main character, Maddie, uh, she is a girl, little girl who has albinism, and her family is African-American. So in this community, she does stand out more for having fair skin, blonde hair, and green eyes. And she's been the only person that she knows who looks like her until one day at the grocery store, she finds a fun surprise, as she calls it, and she finds another little boy with albinism who looks just like her. Now, albinism is not very common in the United States or in many parts of the world. The prevalence is maybe about 1 in 20,000 people here. 
Albinism is much more common in sub-Saharan Africa. In fact, it's probably 10 times more common there. And so this condition might be a little bit more familiar to people in that setting. In the United States, it's probably quite a common experience, actually, for children with albinism to grow up without knowing or seeing other people in their community that look like they do. And this can be a little bit difficult, particularly when you have a condition that makes you stand out and sometimes can draw negative attention to you. So people with albinism can be victims of bullying. And unfortunately, in some cultures and communities, uh, this goes beyond just bullying. And sometimes they are at risk of being harmed because of their appearance. So it can be so encouraging and uplifting to find somebody else in a similar situation with whom you can connect. And through the book, we see how Maddie and Nate become fast friends. And through their playtime, we actually get a little bit of education into one of the really important parts of uh, health care for people with albinism, and that's skin care. So as Maddie and Nate are getting ready to go to the playground, part of their routine involves getting kind of geared up and protecting themselves against the sun. So remember we mentioned that without the important pigments in the skin to help prevent some of that sun damage, they're over time at risks for skin cancers and in the short term at risk for sunburns. So going out in the sun involves sunscreen, sometimes involves wearing long sleeves or more covered clothing for a bit more protection if needed. And Big hats are helpful to protect your face against the sun. Um, dark sunglasses are going to help with that sensitive vision or sensitive eyes that some people with albinism may have. Now, all this gear, all this sun gear makes them stand out a little bit from the other kids at the playground. And one little girl points it out. And our main character, Maddie, uses that opportunity to educate her about albinism and about why she and Nate are doing the things that they are doing. So I think that this book is an excellent resource just to get children to understand and learn a little bit about albinism, particularly in the Black community where a child with albinism is going to stand out so much in terms of their appearance. And I love the message that the author has about being proud of the skin that you're in and loving the skin that you're in, which I think is an important message for any child to hear. And of course, the author Brandy Green writes this from a place of experience as she herself has albinism and so experienced what it was like growing up with albinism in the black community. And so she is a big advocate for education and raising awareness about albinism. And she is actually also part of an organization called NOAA, the National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation, Low Pigment, that also has the same vision to educate and raise awareness uh, about albinism, as well as to provide resources to people and families that are affected by albinism. And I'll put a link to their website in the show notes, but this is also an excellent place to look uh, not only for resources, but they also have uh, different events and uh, camps that children can go to again to be exposed to a community of people with similar life experiences.
Now, of course, all people with albinism are not going to have the same lived experience. And I think one of the things that makes a significant difference on a day-to-day basis is the degree of visual impairment, the degree of problems with their vision that they are facing. Children who have the most severe forms of albinism may actually be legally blind, meaning that they have less than 20 over 200 vision. And that's the case of our main character in the second book that we're going to look at today. This book is called A Blind Guide to Stinkville by Beth Vrabel. So, Stinkville, are we dealing with a real place here? <laughs> so actually, no. The place in question is the fictional setting of Sinkville, South Carolina. And our main character, Alice, is an 11-year-old girl who is moving from Seattle to Sinkville, South Carolina, a place that has fondly gained the nickname of Stinkville because of the paper mill that runs the economy there. And apparently running a paper mill is a very stinky business. So yes, hence it is called Stinkville, South Carolina. And this book is really about the concept of transition. Before moving to Stinkville, our main character, Alice, had grown up in the same community her whole life. Everybody knew her. Everyone knew that she had albinism. So it wasn't something new. It wasn't something she had to explain to a lot of people. She always had her best friend near her to look out for her and help her get to places and everything. So she didn't feel different. She didn't feel other than. And she always had some support. Moving to Singful really pushes Alice to be independent in a new way, a way that she's not had to before. Her dad's always working. Her mom is dealing with some mental health issues. Her brother's a teenager. That in itself is a a condition enough. (laughs) So Alice really takes it upon herself to find her way in this new place. And she makes connections with different people. She makes friends. She really is able to accomplish so much more than the people around her initially think she can do with her disability. So it's a period of growth for her. It's a period of learning independence. It's a period of learning how to stand up for herself and advocate for herself, which are all really beautiful and really important things for children with chronic illnesses to learn. Alice does also learn that sometimes there's a balance between seeking that independence and being able to accept help. And she comes to understand that external help is not always a bad thing. In in fact, sometimes it can bring us closer to our eventual goals. In this case, Alice struggles with the idea of going to a special school, school for the blind, rather than going to public school, which initially she sees as a very negative thing and as a setback. Part of her feels like, I'm not that blind. After all, I can still see some things. They just have to be very, very, very up close to me. So is this something that I need? But after meeting some students there, she realizes that this might actually give her some of the tools and the resources that she needs to really be independent as she grows older. 
So I thought this was a really interesting perspective to be played out in the book. And in fact, it's a lesson that doesn't just apply to Alice, doesn't just apply to children with disabilities or chronic illnesses. Everyone's story is a little bit different. Everyone's needs and challenges are going to be different. But we all have times where we can use a little bit of help from people around us. But sometimes we can be a bit resistant to this help. (laughs) But listen, human beings, we were not created to walk through this life alone. Which brings us back to the idea and the importance of building community. Now, early in the episode, we talked about how community can sometimes be people who look like us, people who are from our area, people who have gone through similar circumstances. But it's also so important to move beyond superficial things or obvious things and be able to connect with people who don't look like us or people who on the surface, seem different from us in some way. And the more that we're able to do this, the more that we're able to see each other as human beings, the better we'll all be for it. I cannot end this episode without mentioning that if you've ever wondered if you can sue somebody if their dog pees on you, all these questions can be answered by reading the book A Blind Guide to Stinkville. (laughs) It was life-changing information. I I felt it was my duty to share this with you. (laughs) And I mentioned this to say that sometimes when I read and review these books, I really pick out the the pieces that are fascinating to me from a a health-related standpoint. But there's so much more that happens in the storyline of the book. And this book had a lot of lighthearted humor in it as well. So I do recommend it from that perspective as well. If you are looking for books to start conversations with children about the condition of albinism, these two books are a great place to start. Again, they were A Blind Guide to Stinkville by Beth Vrabel, which is sort of a middle grade read, and Golden Like Me by Brandy Green, which is a picture book. I will put links to both of those books in the show notes, as well as a link to the organization that I talked about earlier, the National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation. They've got lots of additional resources on their website. And if you're interested in more resources about visual impairment, check out our last episode. Episode 32 was actually all about visual impairment. So there's some really good links in those show notes as well. Okay, people, that's a wrap. I wish you a fabulous February ahead of you. Have a great time every single day because it's an amazing month. See you next time. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.